And there are many times in our Christian lives that we've got to do that. It's called going the second mile. It's not legalism, let me tell you. It's not legalism. It wasn't legalism when Hudson Taylor decided that he was going to wear Chinese garb and a pigtail hairstyle. He wanted to be effective in the gospel. And that's the attitude that we all need in the Lord's work. If it's going to hinder, get rid of it. If it's going to help, I must have it. And that was the submissive, willing, Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We're on the air again to bring you the message of God's Word, and we're looking at Timothy, a character study on this young, zealous Christian whom Paul took for the work of the ministry. Now, later on, of course, he put him into the church in Ephesus as its very first minister or pastor. And here are Paul's words in his letter to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to feeble fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith on fiend. Well, we'll stop our reading there, but you'll notice something that Timothy was a son to the Apostle Paul in the faith. Paul was instrumental in leading this young man to personal faith in the Lord Jesus, and he was a true spiritual father to him. And this is the connection, this is the rapport that there is between his leadership and this young man who was given to the ministry of the saints. And today we're going to be looking at some of those good points that were in this young man that made him so useful in the work of God. May we all pray that God will raise up young men to the gospel ministry. The great famine in this country is faithful preachers who will take the word of God and proclaim it far and wide. So let's turn to our message today, and I trust the Lord will bless you through his word. Now, one thing we do know about Timothy from the book that Paul wrote to him as a young pastor, and that is that he was grounded in the Scriptures, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, and that's 2 Timothy 3.15. And what a great foundation was given to Timothy. Now, growing up with a Jewish mother, it would have been the Old Testament Scriptures that he had. At this time, there would be no New Testament. But what a foundation, nevertheless, to have the history, the facts, the details of the Word of God right in his mind 
and as he became a Christian in his heart. Now, that is the best thing that any parent can give their child, to give them a database of Scripture, to give them a bank of biblical information. Now, as parents, we have to trust the Lord in what they're going to do with it and how God will take them, make them, mold them, use them. But it is our task as parents to instill into the hearts of our children the Word of God. I learned about Robert Moffat when he was a young boy and went to school. The only textbook he ever had was the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Of course, if you're in Scotland, you eat, breathe, sleep uh, the Shorter Catechism. And he grew up on the question answers, the Q&A method of Bible knowledge, along with the Scripture proofs, which filled his mind with the knowledge of God's Word. And as we would seek to equip young people for the work of God, we give them what money could never buy, a grounding, an earnest settling in the Word of the Lord. And a little by the way here, when Robert Moffat became a Methodist, his parents weren't happy. They were Calvinists. They were Presbyterian. They were shorter catechism people. When he went down to England and got into Methodist Christians, who at that time were the persecuted Christians in England, they were outside the mainline church. They were the, the radical evangelicals, if you will. And he got amongst them. His parents weren't particularly happy. And yet, God took him, used him, and blessed him. Another little tidbit of information I learned about David Livingston, that his parents had him learn the Psalm 119 off by heart. Can you imagine learning Psalm 119, where so many verses seem so similar? And yet, as that psalm says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. This is imperative if we are going to train a generation for the Lord Jesus. And I would say to our Sunday school teachers and to all parents, never give up the task of training boys and girls, young people, with this knowledge of the Lord. He was profitable for gospel work because he was young and he was gifted. His youth, no doubt, was a great advantage. If you remember Paul writing to him, he said, let no man despise thy youth. And Timothy had to overcome the age barrier, and he had to overcome all the fear of standing up before people maybe twice, three times his age, and preaching the message of the gospel. And Paul could see that such a young man was needed for the generation to come, for the establishing of churches, and of course, as he became the minister of Ephesus. But there's one other quality that I would uh, point out, and that is he was voluntarily submissive. If you read verse 3, Paul would have him to go forth with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. 
Now, that's no easy thing for a young man of his age to submit to, especially after. Now, this is Acts 16. And if you know your Bible and you know Acts 15, that the whole controversy down in Jerusalem, where the elders had come together with James and the other apostles, and the whole debate about was it necessary for New Testament Christians to be circumcised? Well, the decree was, was announced, the decision was made that it was not necessary to be circumcised to be saved. Those Judaizers were legalists who were saying that unless ye be circumcised, ye cannot be saved. And so when Paul uh, exhorted Timothy to submit to this circumcision, it was not to be saved. What was it for then? It was to be a missionary to the Jews. It was that he might be all things to all men, that he might not be in any way a hindrance. And you can see that this young man was willing to go further than anything required for his salvation, that he might be God's messenger even to these Jews. Now you'll notice in verse 4, as they went through the cities, they delivered unto them the decrees for to keep. Now, these were the letters that came out of the church council in Jerusalem in Acts 15. And Timothy was a letter carrier from that council of Jerusalem. And yet, although he had the freedom not to be circumcised, he submitted to it that he might be useful to God and to men. And there are many times in our Christian lives that we've got to do that. It's called going the second mile. It's not legalism, let me tell you. It's not legalism. It wasn't legalism when Hudson Taylor decided that he was going to wear Chinese garb and a pigtail hairstyle. He wanted to be effective in the gospel. And that's the attitude that we all need in the Lord's work. If it's going to hinder, get rid of it. If it's going to help, I must have it. And that was the submissive, willing, ready attitude of this young Timothy. Now, there are things that we must also forego in the Lord's work, even in our churches. We're living in a day today when people want to just throw out all standards, throw out all rules, regulations. Let's just be the disorganized church. Let's be the people that have their own way at all times, at all costs. History tells us, the Bible, of course, tells us that all things are to be done decently and in order. And if we're going to be a people that serve God with order, there's going to be those things that you say, well, I don't need to do this to be saved. I can get to heaven without doing this. Yes, you can get to heaven, but will God use you? Will you be effective as a minister, missionary, as a witness for the Lord Jesus? We must deny ourselves our own likes, our dislikes, that we may not cause any offense or put a stumbling block before a brother to Timothy, circumcision was neither going to save him nor keep him out of heaven. Wouldn't matter in eternity. 
And if that's what was required, that he might be effective for God, he was willing to do it. I wonder tonight, is that your attitude? I have to ask, search my own heart tonight. Uh, there are things in God's work that we don't particularly like doing. Things we would say, well, do I have to? Certainly not to be saved, not to get to heaven, but if we're going to build the Lord's church and be effective, if we're going to be valuable to the work of the gospel, that's what we need to do. Fourthly, he became valuable as a pastor. Now, we're going to turn to a couple of other uh, passages in the Bible here. Firstly, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And here we will see this young Timothy out of the school of training, out of his apprenticeship, and he's now into the work of God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. And here again is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's saying to the Christians at Philippi, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. Here is now the father in the faith. It seems that he's organizing the, the scheduling of preaching, and he's sending Timothy very shortly that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul was a bit of a worrywart, believe it or not. He was concerned about these churches, the state of affairs that was going on, and he was going to send Timothy to see how they were doing. He wanted a good report, of course. And then he says in verse 20, a very interesting little comment about Timothy. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. What a commendation. He was valuable as a pastor, minister, because his heart, not just his profession, not just his external commission, but out of his own heart, he would naturally care for these people. In fact, Timothy seems to excel others in his caring attitude of their spirit. And you'll notice in verse 21, for all seek their own. Oh, how human nature plays out this way, doesn't it? Men want into the ministry, men want into God's work just for their own ends, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, verse 22, ye know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he served with me in the gospel. What a recommendation. What a word Paul was able to give concerning this young man. Now, Timothy was in all the throes of church building. He went through the hardships, went through all the disappointments and the heartache, but it didn't rob him of a pastor's heart. Would you pray for me tonight? No matter how old I get, no matter how many years I'm in this pulpit or any other pulpit, that I will never lose a pastor's heart, that I will never lose the attitude of really caring. I don't know how God's grace works. I don't know how God really does this. I think that he determines it even before we are conceived in our mother's womb. I believe that pastors are born 
Dr. or Reverend Wagner would certainly say this when he teaches homiletics. He says he can't make preachers. He can only help God-given, God-gifted preachers. And pastors which are gifts from God, as Timothy was, are indeed of God's making. But the devil works to destroy, to crush, and sometimes to embitter a pastor's heart. What a tragedy that would be. And we see this young man, Timothy, and he has a long way to go. He has a long road to hoe, as people would say. But Paul is commending him that he will naturally care for your state. Now, that's the kind of man we need. That's the kind of ministry we need. And we need to pray that God will work that in us. Timothy did stand the test. Even Paul, when he was in his farewell letter, 2 Timothy, where he knew his final execution was coming, and he talked about having fought a good fight, having kept the faith, and he said to Timothy, preach the word in season, out of season, and uh, fighting the good fight of faith, and so on. Timothy certainly did this. Now, God will judge our work. Just as Paul charged Timothy, I charge thee before God. God will judge our work. He will hold us at the bar of judgment. What we have done with his gospel, what we have done with his church, what we have done with our opportunities to serve. And we want on that day to have the well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, let me take my boomerang and throw it and see who it hits. Be careful with boomerangs. They usually hit yourself. When you throw the boomerang, it's going to come back at you. But I'm going to throw out the boomerang tonight. How are we doing? How are we going to stand before God and give account? We're to redeem the time. We're to buy up every opportunity. We're to be faithful in season and out of season. And I have to confess tonight that to be a biblical, fundamental, Bible congregation, it's out of season. It's not a popular thing to be a conservative, biblical, gospel church these days. But we're to preach the word in season, out of season. And one day we're going to give account. Were we a bunch of complainers? Did we throw back on God in a spirit of bitterness and say, what's the point? This is useless. And if you buy into that thinking, you're defeated. You won't pray as you should pray. You won't come to the Bible seeking promises and pleading those promises. You won't be an encourager to your fellow brother and sister and say, my, isn't the Lord our helper and our strength in the midst of this struggle? You'll only see the bucket half empty. You'll only see the tide going out and all the garbage that it leaves behind. And you lose sight of the fact that the tide will one day return. Don't give up. Don't lose sight of what God has called you to do. I told you about Robert Moffat serving in Africa for 53 years. What a life of service through many hardships and many difficulties. 
David Livingstone, who followed him, he was his son-in-law, by the way, and he followed him. He was attacked by a lion. And when his body was discovered, he was way out in the interior jungle when he was discovered, and he had died on his knees at his camp bed. The native Africans, not knowing the protocol or what to do with the burial of a white man, they cut out his heart, buried it, and his body was carried to the coast, taken on ship, buried at Westminster Chapel in London. In the post-mortem that was carried out to identify his body, his body was identified by the mark of the lion. That's how he knew. They knew they really had the real David Livingston. When the post-mortem was over, the funeral was over, and his body was entombed in Westminster Chapel, or, or Abbey, his heart was still in Africa. Where's our heart tonight? Oh, it's easy to turn up, but where's our heart? You look at this young Timothy. Paul had no man like him who naturally cared for the state of the people. The one thing we must never have is someone to say he doesn't care. I have the privilege these days of living a sandwich life. I am married to a person who works in a bank. And Calvin has just got himself a job in the same banking institution. So here I am sitting, listening in to all this conversation about banking stuff. And this week there came up this motto, it's not how much people know, but it's how much they care. Now you're talking about people going into a bank, doing their banking business, sorting out their problems, getting financial things arranged, and getting on with life. And what is the motto? It's not how much you know, it's how much you care. Now if that is in the financial world, should it not be true a hundred times more in the church of the Lord Jesus? Should we not care? And if we care, it will translate into love of fellowship, love of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and a desire to serve. If I take you back to Philippians 2, verse 22, but ye know the proof of him that he has a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Serving, that's what it's all about. I wonder tonight, are you willing to serve the Lord? Will you put some of your secular life aside? Legitimate, honorable, and sometimes necessary. But to put something of this world aside that you may serve the Lord. That's the challenge that comes to us tonight. Today has been a bit like a missionary Sunday in our church. It has developed as the natural outcome after Easter. We're living for a living Savior. We are looking at the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're to start at Jerusalem. Right here. Cloverdale is my Jerusalem. And maybe yours too. May the Lord weld us together, burn these things into our hearts, and use us in the days to come. We need the help of heaven. May the Lord come and revive us, meet with us, and bless us.
You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.